O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes in scripture, I think the writers have put in a little bit of these jokes that sometimes we don't get because particularly when preachers read the text, we are trained to be very solemn and serious. The word of the Lord. But Luke, I think, lets us in on a little bit of the downright frenetic energy of Pentecost morning. But my favorite line, and some of you chuckled at it, is when all of this noise and wind and commotion and just, just energy is going on, the crowds that have assembled begin to speculate that the disciples are drunk. Not only drunk, but drunk on new wine, which is a nice way of saying cheap wine. Now, I'm not a wine expert, but my understanding is that wine has to age a bit, and the older a wine, the more expensive a wine, and the nicer the wine, and, and actually, the older a wine, the, the less, in terms of the alcohol content, is expressed, and so therefore, brand new wine is cheap and very, very, um, shall we say, influential. And so they see this commotion and they say, oh my, they're drinking cheap wine. Look at these guys. And Peter stands up, and, and I love Peter, who speaks on behalf of the whole group and says, no, 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 no. We're not drunk. It's too early. <laughs> I mean, these are fishermen, by the way. You got to give these boys a little more time. I think Luke wants us to laugh at this because it's an absurd moment, right? When this fearful, still uncertain group of disciples have had this experience which we can't even begin to explain. And that's what we see in, in this introduction to the church. Luke, in his ways, are trying to explain in words beyond words what is happening. The Spirit of God has shown up, and it's like fire, and it's like tongues, and it's like speaking in languages you never know. It's like hearing this babbling that somehow is making sense. It's like a party going full tilt, and it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And it draws a crowd. Because sometimes when the Spirit shows up, we don't have the right words to explain what's really happening. I love that the whole scope of Scripture tries to explain the Holy Spirit of God, and, and the only way it can do it is by piling on image after image after image. In Genesis, don't worry, we're not going to go through every book. In Genesis, in the very beginning, the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit of God hovered above the waters of creation. The sense that even before time itself, the Spirit of God 
hovers. And that's the best way that we can translate that word. The Spirit is there. Some of the old English translation even said brooding. This idea that before even creation itself came into being, the Spirit of God was thinking about us. A little bit later, after we humans show up, we're told that what animates us, what gives us our life, is the breath of God breathed into us. It's called the Ruach Adonai, the breath of God. The spirit that gives us life is borrowed from the spirit of God. Of course, one of my favorite images of God's Spirit is of the burning bush. What's amazing is that when Moses walks by this bush and it is on fire, the fire doesn't consume the bush. As a way of saying that the Spirit and presence of God will bring transformation but not destruction. Doesn't really make sense, does it? Except that the Spirit is not in the business necessarily of always making sense, but of sometimes getting our attention, like it does for Moses. Perhaps the most famous and enduring image of the Holy Spirit is that of the dove, which is not just contained to the New Testament, but the dove as an image of God's provision and presence shows up at the end of the story of Noah. The great flood which brings cleansing and regeneration to the earth also is a sign that the flood waters had receded and it was now time to re-enter the land. As a dove lands on the ark, reminding God's presence is back. Of course, the dove then makes a reappearance by the cleansing waters of the river Jordan. As Jesus is baptized and the gospel tell us that as Jesus rises from the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the voice of God declares, this is my son, the beloved. In him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So what is the spirit like? Well, the spirit is like the brooding thoughts of a God waiting to create the world. The Holy Spirit is like the breath that we breathe, sometimes realizing that we don't even control our breath. It comes and goes to keep us alive even when we're not aware of it. The Spirit of God is like a fire that consumes yet does not destroy the Spirit of God is like a dove. The Spirit of God is like wind. All of these images build upon each other to help us teach and learn a truth that is quite literally beyond words, that the presence of God is with us each and every moment when we are aware, but most often when we are unaware.
like the breath that we breathe, God is with us by the power of the Spirit. Of course, all of this makes sense, right? Except it's hard to define, particularly on that first Pentecost day when the Spirit is breaking loose. Perhaps you've been so familiar with the story that you kind of miss a little bit of the things. But remember, it's just been a week since Jesus has ascended into heaven and has said, go to Jerusalem and wait. The Spirit will come upon you, and the Spirit will remind you of all that I have commanded, and the Spirit will empower you to be my witnesses to all the world. No one bothered to ask Jesus what exactly he meant by that. And so they're sitting there and waiting. And so I imagine it took them a few moments to realize what was going on as all of a sudden the winds blow open the doors of the house and something like fire appears on each of their heads. And I imagine it took a moment for them to realize it was on everybody's head. They're like, oh, you've got something right here. Do you know that? Right? No, you too. You too. Me? I've got that? I don't... It, is it not, does it not, is yours not burning you? Because it's, mine's not burning me, right? And then to realize that all of a sudden, they can speak a different language. It's important to note here that what's happening is not what we would come to think of as charismatic Pentecostal speaking in tongues, speaking in an angelic language that no one can understand. What's happening here is they're speaking languages that other people can understand. And we're told they're speaking Arabic and Median and Pamphylian and Cretan and Persian and Syri uh, Libyan and, and, and whatever they speak on Cyrene. They're speaking that. They're speaking Latin. They're speaking Greek. They're speaking languages that all of the world have assembled in, Pentecost, in Jerusalem to, to be able to hear. And that's a powerful, powerful miracle. But what's important to note is that they're not just talking about the weather. They begin to speak about God's mighty acts. They begin to bear witness to what God has done in their life. They begin to testify to the goodness of God. They share the gospel. And the Spirit has empowered them to do the thing that Jesus told them they were about to do. Go to all the world and share the good news. And now they have the power to do just that. Now a question that I sometimes get asked is, did they retain this knowledge and power for the rest of their life? Could Peter speak Latin for the rest of his life? Scripture really doesn't say anything about it. Because what's actually happening here is not a miracle of speaking. It's a miracle of hearing. Every person in Jerusalem that day could all of a sudden understand what they were hearing when the disciples spoke. So quite frankly, I don't know if we need to learn French or Spanish or Russian or German in order to share the gospel. Doesn't hurt if you can do it, 
the power of the Holy Spirit means that we can share the gospel in ways in which the world will understand. The Holy Spirit empowers the church in a miracle of hearing. For instance, when we do have the privilege to go to a place like Honduras, mostly in our team, Hunter knows how to speak Spanish, and the rest of us are struggling with speaking English. But it's amazing how you can share joy and love in the gospel and not have to know the local language through smiles and laughter, through games played with children, with hand motions to figure out, do I hold this while you nail it? Or exactly how do I stir this slurry into concrete? It's amazing how language barrier goes away when we work together in a common mission. And all of that is the Spirit. I can't really explain it to you except to say it's like fire that won't burn you up. It's like a dove. It's like wind. It's like the very breath you breathe. We are able to work together and to do things we would never be able to do on our own. We can communicate across language barriers. People can hear us and understand us. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's a miracle. It's the Spirit. Now, I've talked to you about all these other images but I want to share with you my favorite image of the Holy Spirit. In order to do it, though, I have to ask you to do something. Look around. Yeah, you're doing a good job. Keep looking. To your left, to your right. Yeah. My favorite image of the Holy Spirit are the people in this room. The church gathered for worship, singing praise to God, giving in their prayers and in their gifts, offering their hands in service, volunteering in the nursery, Bravely taking the basket of suckers out into the foyer. People playing piano and organ, people singing. In all these ways, the church is my favorite image of the Spirit. And that is a miracle that all of us coming from different places, different experiences, different histories, different parts of the city and state and country and world, all of us coming together, being drawn together by the Spirit and finding a place here to worship, to be comforted, to be challenged, 
and to be sent out to bear witness. That's the Spirit. And that's the presence of God both in this room and in every room you go to this week. So church, happy birthday. And the present that we have received is that everywhere we go, God goes with us. And everywhere we go, we have each other. And whether that is something that we can explain with words or simply have to say, you know, you've got to show up on a Sunday to understand it. We are witnesses and image bearers of the breath of God. And if you think this is not important work, remember the final words of our lesson this morning. Peter says to the assembled crowd there, all of this is for you, that you might dream dreams, that you might have visions, that you might prophesy and share the good news so that anyone in this world who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So dear church, your birthday gift is the power to share the good news that everyone Everyone, everyone who calls upon the name shall be saved. Let us pray.